The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, disturbing political ideas, and disturbing sexual references. Friday, the 20th of December, 2019. In this episode, Nicholas Fryer and I look back at the year that was. To a first approximation, I reckon nothing happened in 2019. Donald Trump complains about light bulbs. I hate to say it, it doesn't make you look as good. Of course, being a vain person, that's very important to me. (laughs) And the key word for this episode is... Integrity. This is the 9pm arch window of the self-pleasuring breakdown of reality. I sit down to uh, record this podcast on Friday morning, the alleged Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison, has finally said he'll cut short his holiday and face the bushfires. So to speak, he said in a statement this morning, I deeply regret any offence caused to any of the many Australians affected by the terrible bushfires by my taking leave with my family at this time. Uh, He then talks about having received regular updates, says it's all being handled terribly well by the acting Prime Minister, apparently some bloke called Michael McCormick, uh, Minister Littleproud and Minister Payne. Payne's all right. She's she's got a brain. Quite a powerful one, in fact. Too little too late, Morrison, because outside my window here at Wentworth Falls, the smoke levels are already way above hazardous. Down in the Sydney Basin, it's been hazardous for 28 days over the last two months. It's only going to get worse as the day progresses. Uh, The nearest fire from me, by the way, is 12 kilometres away and the wind's blowing in the other direction, so I'm fine for now. Uh, This shit is all over the news, so I don't have to tell you. But really, it doesn't matter anymore, Morrison, does it? Too late for you. It doesn't matter. Still, not even truth matters anymore as we come to the end of 2019, does it? Conventions don't matter. The law doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. As uh, we record this, it's the day after Donald J. Trump was impeached by the U.S. House of Representatives. Donald Trump has become just the third U.S. president in history to be impeached. A short time ago, the House voted on Article 1 of impeachment, that is the article of abuse of power. The Democrats having enough in their majority. Two Democrats voted with the Republicans, broke ranks, but still the majority was easily enough. It puts a permanent mark next to Donald Trump's name. We await a second vote. That vote will be on obstruction of Congress, but regardless of how that vote goes, and we expect it will go the same way as this way, Donald Trump has been impeached. He is right now in a rally in Michigan. He has said to his supporters it doesn't feel like he's being impeached, but that will be the mark against his name forever now. Now, it's unlikely he'll be removed from office. Impeachment doesn't equal removal. That'll be up to the Senate, and Donald Trump's Republicans enjoy a strong majority there. 
Now, as you can imagine, uh, Donald Trump is taking this calmly and rationally. Uh, Here's one of his tweets. Such atrocious lies by the radical left do nothing Democrats. This is an assault on America and an assault on the Republican Party. And four exclamation points. Uh, His twin, his twinned Pete. Yeah, his pin tweet at the moment is an image. It's a photo of him looking out from the dark finger pointed at you with the text. In reality, they're not after me, they're after you. I'm just in the way. Uh, Who they are isn't entirely clear, but I get the impression that it isn't just the Democrats. Uh, Obviously, there's also been an explosion of brain worms right across America. I love this one. Uh, This is reported by Brian Karam, who's the senior White House reporter for Playboy. Uh, He said, this is not from The Onion. This is from a White House source. Hillary Clinton purposely lost the election with the aid of rushing hacking so the Democrats could then impeach Trump. That's that's like eight-dimensional chess, really, isn't it? So not only is reality shifting and, and dissolving beneath our feet, helped by, of course, Trump's own mind dissolving into the fantasy land of stupid things like the Ukrainian server conspiracy theory. He is, of course, spectacularly stupid. Right now, in a number of states, the laws allow a baby to be born from his or her mother's womb in the ninth month. It is wrong. It has to change. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Born from the womb in the ninth month. Ninth month. This is terrible. Um, according to a new book, Trump called for the population of Seoul, the capital of Korea, to be moved. Uh, this was during an Oval Office meeting when tensions uh, between the US and North Korea were at their height in uh, April 2017. Uh, there had if you uh, recall, being a string of missile tests. Uh, Trump's top national security officials were at the meeting uh, and the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency had made a model of a secret North Korean facility the size of a coffee table to illustrate uh, the regime's covert programs. Uh, this is quite normal, by the way, to uh, to build models to illustrate what's going on. Well, according to the writer of this book, Trump was also shown a satellite image of the Korean Peninsula at night, and that, of course, showed the lights of South Korea and China, and then the blackness of North Korea in between. Trump thought that void was like the ocean, and then when he was shown the bright lights of Seoul just 30 miles south of the, the demilitarized zone, uh, the area that separates the two Koreas, he asked, why is Seoul so close to the North Korean border? Uh, well, they had explained that to him, uh, particularly that North Korea's artillery could demolish South Korea's capital uh, very quickly. Uh, Seoul has a population of 25 million. They have to move, said Trump. Uh, and initially the officials were were thinking maybe he's joking, but Trump repeated the line, they have to move. All 25 million, apparently. That's from The Guardian. Uh, The book 
uh, is called Trump and His Generals, The Cost of Chaos, and it's by a national security and counterterrorism expert by the name of Peter Bergen. Sounds a hoot. Then there's Trump's comments about cars and the US auto industry in general. Now, this is from a roundtable on small business and red tape reduction accomplishments uh, from the beginning of December. And I want to pay this, play this little clip in full. It's about two and a half minutes because it's a magical example of Trump's mind at work. Listen to this. Next year, we will continue our bold deregulatory campaign. We'll remove costly burdens to make cars safer and more affordable. Uh, I don't know if you know what's going on. We're in a dispute with California. California, in order to save a tiny amount of fuel, of which we have plenty, we have numbers that nobody ever would have believed possible. We're the largest energy producer now in the world, and we're an exporter of energy for the first time in our history, really. but uh, we can make cars much less expensive, uh, much better, much stronger, and about the same from an environmental standpoint, very close. But then when you realize that many old cars will be taken off the road because they don't want to get rid of them because they don't want to buy the new cars because, frankly, they don't work very well, that little, like this, you take that, sometimes it's about that much gasoline it's a difference between $3,500 extra computers put on the engines and all of the other things that you have to do. But the cars are much safer. Our cars are much safer. They're much cheaper. They're much better. And the reason they're safer is because they can be heavier. Because uh, right now, the cars are made out of paper mache. And ours are actually, we allow steel content. And so uh, people are getting very excited about it. We have some good support with the auto companies. The only ones that don't support are the car companies that want to be politically correct. Uh, But we'll end up in some litigation with California. But just remember, our cars are safer. and, and, And they are much safer, by the way. And they're better. They operate better. And in every way, we think it's uh, going to be terrific. We have a lot of support from the car industry. And you're talking about a saving of $3,500 on average per car. That's a tremendous saving. And one of the other things from an environmental standpoint, many of the old gas guzzlers are that are spewing out bad things are going to be coming off the road. Cars that are 10 years old and older, people will be going to the new cars because the pricing is better. And the net result of uh, what happens environmentally is a very positive result because a lot of old cars are going to come off the road. They won't come off the road with the California standard, but they'll come off the road with our standard. So you have a better car for less money and it'll be safer. Trump is uh, really quite fascinated by those cars, also by water. This is from that same roundtable. We have a situation where we're looking very strongly at sinks and showers and other elements of bathrooms where uh, you turn the faucet on in areas where there's tremendous amounts of water, where the water rushes out to sea because you could never handle it, and you don't get any water. You turn on the faucet, you don't get any water. They take a shower and water comes dripping out. It's dripping out, very quietly dripping out. People are flushing toilets 10 times, 15 times, as opposed to once. 
they end up using more water. So EPA is looking at that very strongly, at my suggestion. Uh, you go into a new building or a new house or a new home, and they have standards on where you don't get water. You can't, you can't wash your hands, practically. There's so little water comes out of the faucet. And the end result is you leave the faucet on, and it takes you much longer to wash your hands. You end up using the same amount of water. So we're looking at, uh, very seriously, at opening up the standard. And uh, there may be some areas where we'll go the other route, desert areas. But for the most part, you have many states where they have so much water that it comes down. It's called rain, that they don't know, they don't know what to do with it. So we're going to be opening up that, I, I believe. And we're looking at uh, changing the standards very soon. In case you think that's a one-off, no. Um, at that rally in Michigan yesterday, it happened again. Sinks. Uh, showers, all of this stuff. I did a lot of it. No water comes out. You have areas where there's so much water you don't know what to do with it. You turn on the shower, you're not allowed to have any water anymore. I mean, we do a lot of it. Uh, dishwashers. We did the dishwasher, right? You press it. Remember the dishwasher? You'd press it, boom, there'd be like an explosion. Five minutes later, you open it up, the steam pours out, the dishes. Now you press it 12 times. Women tell me, again, you know, they give you four drops of water. And they're in places where there's so much water, they don't know what to do with it. So we just came out with a rag on dishwashers. We're going back to you. Uh, sorry about the end of that recording there. It kind of wandered off there. Yeah, water, dishwashers, toilets, showers. By the way, that roundtable thing, we'll hear a little bit more from that later. Now, as I say, Trump has been impeached and he's losing his mind such that it is. How do you think he's going to handle this? Well, apart from, you know, going slightly uh, angry, here's a grab from a press conference from over last weekend. Now, this is before the impeachment. Trump is talking about the impeachment process, which at that stage, of course, had yet to deliver its verdict. I think there's a hint here. President, do you prefer a short process in the Senate or a more extended process? Well, I've heard Lindsey Graham, who's terrific, and I heard his uh, statement, and I like that. And I could also, I can do, I'll do whatever I want. I'll do whatever I want, says Trump. Truth doesn't matter. Conventions don't matter. The law doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Hello, I'm Stilgarian. Welcome to The Edict. Well, joining me uh, on the tubes from Adelaide, Nicholas Fryer. Morning, Stel. Morning. Uh, having fun? Yeah. I understand it's a bit warm over your way. It is. I think we're heading for 46 today, but the air is very clear. Oh, that's a, that's a bonus. Yeah, you can We don't have it. air over here anymore. No, I, I gather. I gather. No, we're, we're still, we are still habitable, albeit... Uh, you definitely need your hat on. Yes. <laughs> There's a song about that. I was going to make this more an end-of-year rap episode, but I'm finding it difficult to get my head around the concept. I understand you do have some thoughts on that coming up. I though. tried. I, have, I tried, and I will, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cast those thoughts before the, the, the swine uh, later. Um, <laughs> yes, but yes if, yeah. that's, that, dear listener, is you. You are the swine. <laughs> um, 
we'll, we'll see how pearl-like the wisdom is. But it's yeah, I, I, tr- I did try. It, 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 as you say, it doesn't come naturally for reasons I'll, I'll go into at the time. But um, all right, but no, we'll, we, we we'll, can we'll we can make this a bit end of year rappy. All right, excellent. Uh, well. Uh, also, in this episode, we are burning off some of the trigger words uh, that uh, this podcast supporters are owed. Uh, now, trigger words. Uh, some of the levels of support for the podcast entitle you to throw either three trigger words or one trigger word into the pot. They are whatever the person wants, a word or a person's name or or like something that should count as a word. Uh, and uh, people, if they have three, they can put all three together or they can split them up and throw them into a pot. Uh, we have four little batches in this episode. And the first one is a three-word set from Big Ian. Uh, his trigger phrase with all the words, this kind of counts, demented incandescent bulb fanatic. You will be shocked, Nicholas, to hear that he's referring to Donald Trump. Well, aren't we all referring to Donald Trump these days? It's <laughs> well, well, This is the last Trump-oriented bit in this episode, I think. <laughs> it won't be, will it? We've got a long way no. to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, this is, this is the bit I foreshadowed from that roundtable on small business and red tape reduction accomplishments. Uh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll let Donald explain. And we're doing other things. The light bulb, uh, they get rid of the... Uh, light bulb that people got used to. The new bulb is many times more expensive. And I hate to say it, it doesn't make you look as good. Of course, being a vain person, that's very important to me. Uh, it's like, uh, it gives you an orange look. I don't want an orange look. Uh, has, has anyone noticed that? Uh, so we'll have to change those bulbs at at least a couple of rooms where I am in the White House. But we're going back to the uh, to double standard. We have a, a standard of the new bulbs, and we have we have the old bulbs, and they're already making the old bulbs. Many people were complaining that uh, the new bulbs were much much more expensive, many times in some cases more expensive. And uh, the other thing, they're considered a hazardous waste. That because it's a, largely a gas technology, when the bulb is disposed of, you're supposed to bring it to a hazardous waste site. I said, how many people do that? No, nobody does it. And, you know, that's a bad thing. So uh, you probably heard about it, you probably read about it, and uh, you'll be able to buy light bulbs that actually uh, are better lighting, in the opinion of many, and I tell you, in my opinion, and for a lot less money. And so we're doing that. But you'll also be able, if you want, you can buy the other bulbs also. And I'll tell you, even the bulb companies are very happy about that. It's lovely to hear a man grappling with the global issues, isn't it? It's it's fantastic. And, and the idea <laughs> and, that, and the gas technology. And the gas the technology. And, and finally, he's concerned about hazardous waste at last. Yeah, look, I actually want to talk about the orange face thing. And this kind of drifts into my sort of first chunky topic, so thank you for that, Big Ian. Earlier this month, there was a a Washington Post story about how Trump's company employed undocumented immigrants. I'm sure you'll be shocked by this too. Uh, This was at the Trump National Golf Club. Uh, Each morning, uh, says the story, Sandra Diaz carried out Trump's fastidious instructions. Apparently in his closet, she would have to hang six sets of identical golf outwits. 
outfits. So those six white polo shirts, six pairs of beige pants, six neatly ironed pairs of boxer shorts. So <laughs> let's just think about Trump in his ironed boxer shorts. And then she'd have to take some of that liquid face makeup and just put a dollop on the back of her hand to check that it hadn't dried out. Now, uh, Ms. Diaz was an immigrant from Costa Rica. She had a fake social security card she'd bought for 50 bucks. And, and that was apparently quite typical amongst the staff. Uh, also from this story, um, Trump had Irish spring soap in his shower, but they couldn't throw it out even if it had worn right down to the tiniest sliver. Trump decided when he wanted something thrown out, and when he did, it could be clothes, it could be newspapers, he just chucked them on the floor. Uh, some of the other details, Trump loved Tic Tacs, but not just any amount. In his bedroom bureau at all times, there had to be two full containers of white Tic Tacs and one container that was half full for some reason. Same for the, the makeup. And this is, in fact, uh, the brand is uh, from Switzerland called Bronx Colors. Again, two full containers, one half, uh, even if that meant more like white shirts had to come in because of all of the stains that would leave on the collars. Fascinating article, especially about how his staff members, uh, his illegals, uh, and there were a lot of them, reacted to his rants against illegal immigrants. Not one for consistency of thought, is, is Mr. Trump. Anyway, according to Washington Post reporter David uh, Farentold, after the story came out, the company that makes the makeup, Bronx Colors, ran a sale so you could get that particular shade of orange uh, on discount. Now, the uh, the color uh, links to all these things on the podcast website, of course. It is Boosting Hydrating Concealer BHC06. Uh, I put a picture in the running sheet, Nick. Uh, how would you describe that color? Uh, yeah, you see, I, I wouldn't describe that colour still, um, <laughs> largely because I, I, I have a colour vision deficiency. Um, oh, I'd forgotten that. <laughs> so, and, 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 and in particular, and in particular, orange, <laughs> orange is pretty much right in the sweet spot of no fucking idea, really. Um, so... Uh. Go, All go right, well, we'll I, leave I it up to those swine listeners to have a look at that for themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Form their own yeah I'm, I'm one of the lucky people in the world who has never actually seen what colour Donald Trump is. So, oh. there's small, you know, So, there's small benefits wins. from colour there vision deficiency. There are small wins. Yes. Okay. <sighs> Over to you. Over to me. Well, as you said earlier, we were originally... And casting around for this this episode, talking about a a, a, a year in review, um, that caused the, and I started thinking about that. But the trouble with the year in review is it means you've actually got to realise what's happened during the year. And I realised that I didn't know anything at all. <laughs> uh, and I got to the point where I looked up, you know, you type twenty nineteen into Wikipedia and you start reading down the events that happened. I couldn't remember any of it. Um, so it's pretty clear that I've spent 2019 in a complete haze. Uh, uh, I do, I do recall who the prime minister is. So I'm, I think I passed the sort of consciousness non-concussed test. But it was sort of thinking about 
the changes during the year. There was an election, I believe, but but that's that's not all clear. The clear in my head, but but I thought if I cast my mind back to say January 2019 and at least look up who the who the the prime minister was then, I should be able to work out some of what's happened. But same bloke. Well, I yeah, that's what I found. I, I reckon there's a fairly good case could be made for the for for the proposition that in 2019 nothing happened. My theory is that Scott Morrison is uh, Australia's longest-serving prime minister in living memory. <laughs> Given that my living memory stretches back to about Tuesday, I'd say that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> I mean, January 2019, um, Australia had a weak Liberal government without any noticeable policy agenda other than backbiting and sneering at people like me. Um the Prime Minister, who strongly resembles a children's television character in a bear suit, spent much of his time dividing the world into good things, a coal, I seem to recall, and people who agreed with him, particularly quiet ones, uh, and, and bad things for noisy people, refugees, people who are noisy about refugees, especially if they take milk in their coffee. And... As I recall, the compelling reason he had for why people should vote for him in the election that was then due is that they weren't the Labor Party, um, with which obviously a slight majority of the country agreed. But um, and all in all, a, a very familiar landscape. The President of the United States in January was a compulsive liar with the colour and public respect of a traffic cone. Uh, I seem to recall Congress spent most of its time then quarrelling about whether he should be removed from office, but never quite getting around to it because it turns out that about half the country's pretty cool with being governed by an ignorant narcissist with thuggish tendencies and a willingness to use the constitution as toilet paper. And the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland was an upper middle class Oxbridge educated dongle who was promising utopia while delivering chaos. The country was consumed. Well, he, well, he, he fulfilled his promise. Well, she, she back in January. Oh, um, hang on, yes. But, which which oh, is one of the few things that has changed. But, you know, when you look closely, not a whole lot has gone on behind the scenes. Um, the country was still consumed with sort of self-inflicted agony of trying to tear itself away from most of its close friends, um, most of its close friends having long since reached a state of just wanting the whole load of whinging fuckwits to piss off and let them to get on with being grown-ups. So, as I said, to a first approximation, I reckon nothing happened in 2019, which given the fairly inevitable trajectory of things, the second law of thermodynamics being what it is, that, that might be thought of a bit of a win because you know even in january it was pretty clear that everything was was broadly speaking completely fucked um at the beginning of this sorry year i reckon i was i'm pretty sure i wasn't the only person who thought that the only way the country could get any worse is if it literally caught fire and burnt to the ground now i'm not taking credit for subsequent developments here but i i am open to offers if anyone wants to pay me you know not to envisage a nuclear war in in 2020 or or to envisage one you know if if that's what your money wants um but december 2019 of course is not just the end of the year it's the end of the decade and if we take that slightly longer perspective one one can see at least some change in the world in january 2010 the Prime Minister of Australia was a bloke who was basically Harry Potter if he turned into the sort of neighbour who leaves notes telling you not to leave your bin outside his place. Um, this was a more outward-looking 
confident Australia kids, uh, proud of having a Prime Minister who was capable of screaming abuse both in Chinese and in English. Uh, the President of the United States in January 2010 was a dapper, eloquent, educated, handsome man with unembarrassing children, still married to his first wife, given to restraint in speech except when calling on the better angels of his country folk, and he spent his life before entering to the White House teaching constitutional law, and after his election he spent his time abiding by it. Um, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom was a fairly uncharismatic Scot <clears throat> who had both a clear notion of how many children he'd fathered and he also had a hairbrush, how times have changed. But... In a world whose dizzying change too often reminds one of how old one is getting, it is comforting to realise that in January 2010, Angela Merkel had already been Chancellor of Germany for four years, more than four years. Uh, this coming April is the 20th anniversary of her taking over leadership of her party, uh, in which time I think uh, Australia's had about 146 prime ministers with nearly half a dozen coherent thoughts between them. So, you know, some countries are just lucky, I guess. Time marches on still. It does indeed, although I think uh, Britain may be in for some very good luck here. He says skipping ahead to the next item, number three, because we are going to jump over a bit as previously discussed. <laughs> uh, Boris Johnson. Apparently, uh, according to the Sunday Times, Boris Johnson predicts a post-Brexit bonking bonanza which will lead to a 2012-style uh, baby boom. What happened in 2012, the course of baby Olympics. Boom? Everyone, everyone oh, saw, everyone saw sports on telly and yeah, just went, fuck, young crazy. People. Yep. And <laughs> not just the athletes themselves. No, no. Apparently, I'm, Olympic villages are a hotbed of fornication. Yeah. But you wouldn't want that because most of them are foreigners, you see. No, it was, ah, it was native bonkers. Native bonkers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's probably where the, country, where the country went bonkers and, and hence where we are now. Excellent work. Righto, Nicholas. I think it's time to uh, do uh, some more trigger words. Uh I've got them all here in the uh, saucepan of integrity it is this time. And uh, as usual, I'm going to uh, draw them out randomly in sets of, uh, of three uh, to see what we come up with. So here we go. Uh, first one out of the saucepan is... Oh, I folded them up too. Fine. Here we go. Smoke by an anonymous contributor. Okay. The second one... Mark Newton. Now, this is from your Lucas James. Now, Mark Newton is, is uh, a friend of the pod, uh, as they say, uh, and uh, an outspoken systems engineer. So what I'm going to do in a minute, uh, uh, Nicholas has pulled out some of his comments recently. That might make it a bit easier. And uh, the third one, sea pigs from an anonymous person. Sea pigs, not seepage. But sea pigs. So we have here smoke, Mark Newton, and sea pigs. Nicholas, do you know what a sea pig is? No, but I am willing to learn. Well, scotoplanes is what they're also called, or possibly scotoplanes, uh, sea pigs. They are 
a genus of deep-sea sea cucumbers of the family Elpidii. I shouldn't have done this. this is, I'm reading from Wikipedia without having recur- that, re- sort of thought about is it. Is that Elpidii? Yeah, that'd if be you've, one. If you've, if, you've, if you've spelled it correctly. No, I have spelled it correctly. Um, <laughs> if you've cut and paste correctly. It's El- hang on, hang on, El- hang on. You, can't re- you can't reveal that this is already in the running sheet because that bit where I drew the things from the Sourcebook Integrity was definitely not pre-recorded. Very definitely integrity. Think about the integrity. Yes, How's the integrity? That's... Just You can smell the integrity. <laughs> Okay. If you were a sea pig, though, you would have enlarged tube feet, <laughs> what do you and mean? you would use, <laughs> and you would have water cavities within your skin to inflate and deflate your appendages. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> right, and these basically are deep sea sea cucumbers which move through the sediment like a bulldozer, and uh the bit I didn't copy and paste uh, just now, right now, definitely not pre-planned. They like eating dead whales, even though they're quite <laughs> so small. So they rather like the Japanese then. <laughs> when I first saw the word sea pigs, I thought it might have been spelt sea pigs, like cunt pigs, like those in New South Wales. But you may feel that you don't wish to comment on that. Uh, once again, not heard of them. <laughs> this time, not really willing to learn, if that's okay. Yes, the New South Wales police have been in the news quite a bit recently. I'll leave you to uh, look that up for yourselves, kids. Uh, Mark Newton, by the way, who's Newton Mark on Twitter, uh, some of his recent quotes have been smoke-related, but uh, some have not. Uh, Zoom, he says, is a company which owns a website and a San Francisco food truck with a pizza vending machine in the back. Uh, they have just received two, uh, sorry, $375 million investment from SoftBank, and they're aiming uh, for more investment, uh, with, uh, which would give them a valuation of $4 billion, uh, and they're calling themselves the Amazon of food. Uh, on the back of one truck with a pizza vending machine in it. Uh, Mark Newton also asks, does Kay Cotty masturbate? I think that's something we should all think about for a while. Uh, And in response, uh, well, on the fires thing, uh, the opposition leader, Anthony Albanese, said the bushfires are a national crisis demanding a national response. It's time for Scott Morrison to show leadership and do his job. Uh, which is a fair argument. Uh, Mark Newton said in response to that, the national response is supposed to be a bipartisan agreement over a 10-point plan to increase our coal exports, yeah? Maybe a lazy billion for Adani, the coal mining company. A couple of more holes in the Great Australian Bite. National emergency. Uh, And he also notes... Uh, Just noticing that Morrison went away and literally nothing changed, so make of that what you will... Uh, And as he says, Saturday will be worse. I think he's right. (music) 
Uh, this podcast is made possible by you, the generous listeners, through your subscriptions and one-off contributions. Thank you all so much. Uh, this episode, it's a big thanks to the people who bought themselves conversation topics. That's Big Ian, of course. Uh, and those who bought trigger words, either individually or in sets of three. That's Dave Hall, uh, DeWitt, Lucas James, Nick Andrew, and uh, one person who's staying anonymous. Uh, also, thanks uh, to other contributors, Andrew Groom, Andrew Kennedy, Cheryl Thomas, Daniel O'Connor, Frank Filipponi, who purchased himself uh, a premium pint annual subscription. You can head over to have a look how they work. Ruben Sharda uh, and two more anonymous people. Uh, please uh, do contribute. It is the season for giving. Do I need to remind you of that? Uh, if you would like to subscribe for those added benefits, it's skank.com.au slash subscribe. Skank.com.au slash subscribe. Uh, or if you just want to throw in uh, a tip, a one-off contribution, that's stillgarian.com slash tip. That's stillgarian.com slash tip. Trigger words. Let's go through a few more trigger words. Uh, another set of three. First one out of the saucepan integrity from an anonymous person. Water. Ah. From Nick Andrew, Harlequin. Harlequin. And the last in this set of three, Pop. Uh, this is from Dave Hall, who wasn't sure whether he was owed uh, any trigger words or not. Uh, so he said, look, I'm, I'm white, male, heterosexual in my 40s. Surely I deserve something. Uh, and I thought that's obviously true. So I gave him two words and he chose Passion Pop, the uh, drink of choice for this podcast. So this is Pop. So there we have this set, Water, Harlequin, and Pop. Harlequin is one of those words that doesn't, you know, trigger much of an association with me, despite the fact that it's got a Q in it, so I'm naturally well disposed towards it. There's a there's a rugby team from, from England, proper rugby, um, uh, called the Harlequins, and and uh, free associating that with, with, with rugby players with Pop uh, the only thing that's coming to mind really is is what Izzy Folau is going to do for his next career move after he <laughs> finishes suing I mean, his he has a, uh, a career ahead of him of just being an arsehole. Well, yes, um, but, uh, you know, he could, be, he could be our next Kylie. Um, not sure where water fits in, but, you know, as, a, as, a, as an elite bigot, um, Izzy probably looks pretty good with his shirt off, so... He does. You know, maybe yes. there's maybe there's a you know there's a there's a video clip with him frolicking in the ocean or something. But um, yeah, I, that's that's. <laughs> I think we, we, we got we, we've mapped out the future of Australia. That's 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 beautiful. Um, I, I oh, we're a stock Aiken and Waterman when we need he'll be a, them. he'll be a bloody um, Mardi Gras float icon within ten years. He has been on the cover of one of the gay magazines. Oh, there you go. With another rugby player. With his shirt off? Shirtless. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Oh, yes. He's fit. Oh, I bet he is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I bet you could bounce uh, ping pong yes. balls off that with no difficulty whatsoever. Ooh. 
Um, look, for me, immediately when I saw Harlequin, I remembered a science fiction uh short story by Harlan Ellison uh, called Repent Harlequin Said the TikTok Man. This is an excellent little satire. Um, I haven't read it for ages. Uh, it was published in 1965, as I discover here. When I look it up right now and not because the draw was pre-recorded. Integrity. Um, <laughs> um, Anyway, the story's a satire. It's a dystopian future where time is strictly regulated. Everyone must do everything according to an extremely pri- uh, precise schedule. And being late is not merely an inconvenience. It's a crime. And the story focuses on a guy called Everett C. Marm. Uh, and uh, the Harlequin is his uh, alter ego, disguised identity, uh, who engages in a whimsical rebellion against the TikTok man. So that's uh, I won't I won't explain how that plays out. But uh, Harlan Ellison, fascinating writer. Uh, Repent, Harlequin said the TikTok man. Look it up. I think you can find it um, on the tubes. Uh, in in its form. Uh, as for water and pop, uh, I I started thinking uh, with summer coming up, well summer <laughs> in full swing, of of those huge pump action water pistols. That's just because you're thinking uh, about Izzy Falau again. <laughs> oh dear, I actually did. Uh, oh, what was it? I did a poll on it was. Who would you rather hate fuck, Izzy Falau or who else had been a homophobic prick um, in that period? <laughs> Such a short list. <laughs> Let me think about it for a moment. I know. Izzy Falau. Oh, Andrew Hastie. No. No. Oh, yeah, no, actually, yeah, that, that right. might be right. Yeah. Who, I, yeah, I, I someone, someone did something a couple of – yeah, I know, a couple of weeks ago. Anyway. Izzy's, Izzy's, uh, Izzy's fitter. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is. Oh, dear. I don't know what Andrew Hasty's six-pack looks like, but I'm, I'm, I'm going with his, if that's all right. Let's go straight into the uh, final trigger words, Nicholas. Uh, from Dave Hall, passion, the other part of passion pop, and the last one, there's no point rummaging around, it's the only one less, Blockchain. <laughs> so passion and blockchain. That's from Yuptavit. Wit, Yuptavit. I'd never found out. Blockchain. So passion and blockchain. Nicholas, uh, you, you kind of work in insolvency, amongst other things. Has blockchain ever featured there? No, nor, nor has passion, obviously. Um, <laughs> we, we don't do that. We're accountants, Stilgarian. <laughs> And I wish to register a complaint about the, the sort of direction this entire program is going. Passion and blockchain. I mean, there's a third word in <laughs> that, that, that trio. That applies every no, episode. isn't Nicholas. it? Passion, blockchain, yeah. no. No, ne- I, no except never. Except for the people who are blockchain enthusiasts, I think, is the – like zealots, is that, really, aren't is they? That, is, yeah, is that passion or mania? Ooh. Yeah, look, some of it does – be- become mania. The, the 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 bit about this is the people who think blockchain 
is is the hammer which will will deal with all nails, like supply chain integrity. Apparently, the blockchain will tell you whether your coffee is truly organic or not. I believe I've ranted about this on the podcast before. The solution to everything is an ever an exponentially expanding spreadsheet. I mean, it's it's true. And as an accountant, I I, I am ready to embrace the future, but I don't have to love it. Hmm. Mm. I, I'll get angry if I talk about blockchain anymore, but passion, passion. I, I will say, yes, as I said earlier, Passion Pop is the beverage of choice for this program. I'll just say we have run out. That's all I'm going to say. We have run out. I think it's time for your second bit, Nicholas. My, well, my favourite moment of the year when I did actually remember any of the year, um, had to be, and this had to be one particular uh, political suggestion. And this was touched on, by, I think, a, a podcast or two ago. Um, but you passed over it in in a manner which I, I I thought betrayed a lack of of imagination. Really, in what I think was a seminal, a potentially a seminal development in this nation's history. Um, Peter Dutton's proposal for facial recognition software to prevent underage usage of porn sites i thought that was that was i mean that would just captured everything it captured so much about the state of of government in 29 in this luckiest of countries policy by brain fart uh, a certain squirmy attitude to sexual matters uh, coupled with an instinctive authoritarianism a bone thrown to the culturally concerned right thinking people of the country a complete lack of any thought as to what it would mean in practice and within 24 hours, utterly forgotten by absolutely everybody, especially the minister who laid it in the first place, which is a pity because when you follow that suggestion through to its logical conclusions, I, I, it had all the makings of the first piece of genuinely insightful and innovative policy to come from Canberra in many years. Even, dare I say it, a call to national greatness in an age when such calls come too often from the worst of our leaders and in the meanest of ways, not... <clears throat> Excuse me, not from a statement of statesman of Peter Dutton's stature with his inspiring vision for a better Australia. Thinking, running ourselves what it, it actually amounts to, essentially, it's a requirement for people who fancied giving the monkey a jolly good spanking to go and do the internet equivalent of, you know, showing their driver's license to the Home Affairs Minister. And didn't that title suddenly make so much more sense? Um, and, uh, you know, asking the member for Dixon if, uh, f- for permission to have a quiet moment to themselves. It would mean some things. It would mean a national photo ID database. Um, now, for most of us, the time we line up for a government-mandated mugshot is when we want to learn to drive, uh, presumably in the new Australia turning 17 and getting a driver's licence would, would suddenly be about so much more than being allowed behind the wheel. You know, but we, we don't hang out those little rectangles of responsibility without requiring people to demonstrate their basic competence. Which begs the question, what sort of tests would we require our kids to pass to get their FAPAS licences? I, I was enormously encouraged to see a government prepared to take a matter like this in hand and, and, and give it the damn uh, good shake. I, I'm liking where this, this concept is going. Look, it takes a genius of Peter Dutton's special variety to survey this strange brown land and realise that what we really need is a set of national benchmarks to make sure that every Australian meets a certain minimum safe standard before they're allowed to 
do their own thing. It would create job opportunities for testers and inspectors, people charged with making sure that youngsters know how in the pursuit of a moment's release to do a three-point turn and reverse parallel park without setting off the hazard lights, Uh, or given the conditions in a fair slab of this country, how to crest safely in reduced visibility, done properly, we could take a population with undoubted natural talent to new levels of effectiveness and enthusiasm. The world knows Australia still is a sporting nation. There isn't a field of physical endeavour in which we don't punch above our weight, which, given the weight of some of us, is no trivial accomplishment. Now, with the sort of encouragement that a well-executed policy of this kind could engender, we could become the greatest wankers that the world has ever seen. <laughs> at least... We're all, we're all on the way. At least per head, as it were. What could be more Australian than that? I I think this is absolutely wonderful. We would... We'd- we need an equivalent to the Australian Institute of Sport, obviously. Absolutely. Where you had seri- serried ranks of fit young people. Elite masturbators. <laughs> I, no, this is fantastic. Uh, I, oh, I, 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 I My next what... item really is, is, is cannot match that because uh, I, it, it involves some thinking. Oh, God. Um. Yeah, well, yeah. I look this first one. I don't know it's 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 true or not, but have a listen to this. Our reporter just caught road council workers apparently scamming drivers in Melbourne CBD. A family of nine holidaying from Malaysia had parked their van on Lonsdale Street last night. When they returned this morning, the vehicle was being towed away. Now, this video shows council workers taking off a cover. To reveal a no parking sign. Watch it there. It's covered up. Going to tow the van. Off it comes. Uh, Yep, you're in the wrong area. Now, we understand that family is, well, as you would expect, extremely distressed. I'll bring you a bit more on that later on. That is red hot, isn't it? That's from Nine News, as you can tell by the... Is that a good scam? I'm I'm not sure I grasp it intellectually, if that's the word I'm looking for. Okay, so... You cover up... You cover up up a parking sign overnight and someone parks there, or doesn't overnight any time, and then while they're parked there, you take the cover off the parking sign and then you go, wow, you're parked illegally and call the tow truck. Right, but... but Who's actually doing the cover? Is it the? Is it the? Is it the council workers? The, are they getting a kickback? I mean, is this just? I mean, that wasn't entirely clear. <laughs> I mean, is this is this actual policy of the council? <laughs> You're right. We do need to know more. Who benefits? Um, That's what, I mean, who gains? Kui Bono. Yeah, Kui Bono. Uh, That's you know uh, that you two singer's brother, I think. I was not going to go there because I, I thought that joke was too too much of a dad joke. But you're the actual dad. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, look, here's a here's a scam which I I think is this is glorious. This is from Russia. A con man built a fake border crossing between Russia and Finland, uh, and got paid to smuggle migrants over to the Finnish side. 
Uh, except it was, it was nowhere near, like, not near the Finnish border. Uh, this is reports from the Washington Post. He had this figured out. He'd take $11,000 in cash from each migrant worker and then carry them across... Oh, carry them. Go with them across the Russian border into, quote, Finland, unquote. <laughs> uh, except he'd built this fake border crossing himself. Uh, he had signs up. Uh, you know, the whole thing. Uh, and according to the Russian news agency Interfax, he never planned to carry out his promises. Good good heavens. Uh, the unidentified man, according to the Washington Post, he'd swindled four migrant workers from South Asia just last month. Uh, from them, more than $40,000 from each of them in exchange for safe passage into the EU. Is Finland in the EU? I suppose I've by Finland, uh, but to give them the 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 feel that they were really going through with with this process, he had them walk around a lake as they carried a boat, <laughs> which presumably they, they later used to cross the lake that they just walked around uh, past fake signs. That is genius. It is, and it, and it's so Russian. Is that racist? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's beautiful. Mind you, I mean the <laughs> Finns. Have only the, the Finns should be obviously taking steps to make it more obviously you know, not Russia, so that you know he'd have to. But he'd built he'd built fake like fake signs at a fake border crossing. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get distance. that. I get that. But you know, Finland should just make sure it's obviously not quite so Russian, and then people would know. Well, Finland is very much not Russian. <laughs> yeah, they have uh, you, they you have strong recall, opinions they have, about this. They have gone to a great amount of effort. <laughs> they did to be in, not in, Russian in winter of nineteen thirty nine. They got quite quite shirty on the point, but um, yes. yeah, no, that's I just you know if if the world knew that Finland was, for example. Painted purple, which surely couldn't cost too much. It's not a big place. Then, then <laughs> migrants would know. They, you know, hang on, mate. This is these trees are still green. I'm, I'm look. I'm, I'm, I'm brainstorming purple, here. But there, the purple a solution pine trees still work. I don't know. Someone needs to get onto it. <clears throat> Jeff Bezos. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, he can solve anything. It's a, it's a bit more Elon Musk, though, than Jeff Bezos. Uh, it is, it is. But, you know, maybe Jeff needs to step up. You're right. Uh, we're reaching the end of this program and the end of, of our tethers. Oh, thank Christ probably. for that. Do you, do you have any final advice or New Year's wishes for our, our swines of listeners? No, 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 no. Look, I'm, I'm, I, I just like to express my deep regret and apology for any offence I may have caused for for calling you all pigs um I, <laughs> I trust i trust that each and every one of you will will have a safe and happy christmas with whatever elements of your swinish families you gather around you at this special time and uh we will we'll, uh, i will see you in the new year this is beautiful same from me uh and to finish off i think a song from nick harvey who writes music uh, for television, uh, he posted this song the other day, and I think it does sum up 2019 perfectly. Thank you all. Fuck, 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 this shit. Fuck, 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 this shit. Fuck, 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 this shit. Well, 
that saw the edict now and possibly all the edict for 2019. I hope you'll join us in the new year. Please support this podcast. Go to stillgerian.com slash tip, stillgerian.com slash tip. The next episode will be when I get to it. Until then, I'm Stillgerian. Have a good one. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry. Oh, shut up, you cunt! <laughs>